Amen. Oh, well, you can have a seat. And good morning once again. Good morning. My name is Jacob Smith, again. Uh, I'm the teaching pastor for Anderson College. And man, I just want to welcome you here to Grace. And I want to let you know uh, that we are a week into school, right? Things went pretty well, yeah? How many of us already dropped a class? Get it. <laughs> Proud of you. Proud of you. You know what that is? That's called thinking on your feet. And I respect that. That's flexibility. Man, if I had a nickel every time I had dropped, I'd be a rich man. Uh, but we... We are in the middle of, you know, a week into school. We're also a week into this initial series that we're covering here in Anderson College uh, about our God of creation, about the God who made all things. And what we're doing over the course of four weeks is we're studying who God is and what he's revealed about himself in our world and in his word. All right, so last week we focused on the immensity of our God. We asked the tough question, well, has God really revealed enough to be known? This morning we'll be focusing on the intelligence of our God. Asking the question of, well, does he really know enough to help? Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the intricacy of creation, asking, well, is, is God close enough to really care? And then finally, at the end of this series, we'll be looking at the intimacy that we can enjoy with our Creator, the intimacy of the relationship he's made available by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're asking the question, does God care enough to be trusted? And I'll tell you, this is a complex Topic, right? When we study the attributes of God, man, there's a lot that we could cover. There's a lot that we could go over. So I would encourage you uh, that as you are learning, maybe with us on Sundays, that you would also be taking the time to immerse yourself in the Word of God throughout the week. To help you with that, we put together a reading plan uh, on the YouVersion Bible app. If you've got a Bible app, that's probably the one you've got. Uh, there's lots of little reading plans and devos that you can subscribe to. We have one uh, for this series called God of Creation. You can open up, search for God of Creation, it'll pop up. And essentially what it is, it builds on what we're covering on Sundays. It's related topics and themes, related passages, and essentially going a little bit deeper into, okay, well, what is God? What has he really revealed about himself in his word? Right, because our goal in all of this is ultimately right, to, to increase our appreciation, to increase our, our love for the God who's so intelligent, who knows so much that he is actually the greatest help we could ever hope to find in this life. And to really kind of drive this home, uh, we actually this morning are doing something a little bit different uh, in that I have six volunteers who are all going to be making their way upstage. I I don't actually know who the six are. You know who you are. You're just going to have to come. uh, And you're going to show up right up here on the stage. There's three boys and three girls. Look at that symmetry. And so they're going to make their way up here. Uh, We are going to essentially get to watch... Some principles of our God played out using beach balls and t-shirts. Um, much smaller beach balls. If you were here last week, you know I'm very disappointed in where we've come in terms of beach balls, but it's okay. It's also a lot cheaper. Uh, but essentially, here's the deal. Uh, we have six key, wonderful volunteers uh, who, yeah, y'all scoot together a little bit over kind of that way. There we go. Uh, and what they're going to do, oh, wait, are we all? The home team is great. Okay, so uh, they're all actually members of our home team, which is really great. They help make this place what it is. Oh, yeah, there's a few others. Uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to pair up. I don't care how you pair up. 
You can do like boy, girl. You can just do the person next to you. How do you want to pair? Okay, great. Uh, so they're going to pair up. And basically, when every single group, uh, there is going to be a seeker uh, and a guide. And your goal is to get the seeker to the stage with the ball. All right? So we're looking at what? One pair, two pair, three pair, right? Okay, so... Each one of you is going to have a different, uh, there's going to be different constraints placed upon you in your goal of getting the seeker to the stage with the ball, all right? Uh, For the first pair of you, I'll just go over here. Uh, You're both going to be blindfolded, so Connor figured out how to do this with a shirt. I don't know how, but Connor, show him how you do it. Uh, There we go. That's that's about right. Yeah, there you go. All right, great. Uh, they're both going to be blindfolded, uh, and they're going to be walking together. I don't. I will also help you get off the stage. Don't worry. We're not going to break limbs. Uh, second pair. Uh, one of you is going to be blindfolded, uh, and then the other one of you is actually going to be providing directions from the stage. So you can choose who wants to be blindfolded and who wants to be yelling, screaming from the stage. You're going to scream and yell. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and then our third pair, uh, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, our third pair um, is there's one of you that's going to be blindfolded. Which one of you would like to be blindfolded? Excellent. Uh, but here's the trick. Uh, you also get to walk together, but you also get to place the ball wherever you want, okay? So uh, what I mean by that is for this first group, good, your blindfolds are already on. All right, your ball is going to be... Oh, sorry. (laughs) There. (laughs) Sorry, I just nailed you. I practiced a bunch before you guys came in the room, and I was never that laser-focused. I'm sorry. Uh, the second pair, so you guys, you, did you hear kind of where that went? Yeah, you'll be fine. Uh, and then uh, our second pair, okay, look out. <laughs> Try to give it upward. Mm, can someone just like, yeah, like it. there you go. Yeah. Mm, maybe toss it back a little bit more. Let's do easy. Whoop, bonk. All right, there we go. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right, so our second pair is right there. And then our third pair, you place it wherever you want. Well, maybe like in the crowd. Maybe like give it a... (laughs) Perfect. All right. So now what we're going to do is we're just going to watch as the three pairs all try to remember the ultimate goal of getting the seeker to the stage. Oh, wait, this is wrong. Getting the seeker to the stage with the ball. Okay, so remember, y'all are going to be walking together. I'm going to lead you off stage right now, actually, so you don't die. You are so cautious. I respect that. All right, so there you go. There you go. You found it. You found it. Okay, step down. There you go. All right, Joe. Oh, you got it? Okay. All right. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, and then here, I'm going to get you off the stage as well. But then your partner's going, you remember your partner's voice? Okay. Hold up. There's a step right here in front of you. There it is. Okay. Here, give him a test yell. All right. There it is. All right. Good. All right. And then uh, here, I'm going to lead you off the stage. Or wait, you're going to be going with your partner. So you can, I'll just let her do it. All right. So we're just going to see how this goes. So when I say go... You're going to try to go get your ball. Oh, yeah, watch that. This step is unstable. You're going to try to go get your ball and bring the seeker to the stage with the ball. On your mark, get set, go. (laughs) 
Hooray! <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> that was good. Nice. And then we're just gonna we're just gonna let Connor and Joe look for the rest of the service. Try not to focus on them too much. All right, yeah, y'all y'all are y'all are good. Y'all are good. Yay, Connor and Joe. Uh, I think your ball is over here with the people I hit. Yeah, you were so close, though. So close. Here, come grab it. Uh, So that was a helpful exercise. Thank you, everyone. Uh, You can keep the shirt that you used as your blindfold, and you didn't get blindfolded, but you get a shirt, too. All right, ready, set. Hey, aren't we so glad that they helped us in that way? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, So here's the point. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Look out. There's going to be beach balls all over this room. There's already marbles all over this room, just in case you were wondering. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, you might have you managed to catch this. Maybe not, because Connor and Joe were incredibly distracting the entire time. Uh, but uh, essentially what you saw play out were three different attributes in these different groups. Right? The first one, uh, they were both active in the journey with one another. Right? But they were both blindfolded. They had no awareness of what was going on. They didn't arrange where the ball was to begin with, anything like that. Second group, there was a level of awareness. Right? There was directions given from the stage. Um, but she wasn't able to walk with him. She didn't actually put the ball where she wanted it to be. And the third group... Right, So I would say then the greatest help, the greatest guide was the one who was, in fact, in charge of where the ball was to begin with, was, had a high level of awareness of the entire situation, and was actively walking in the journey to get that seeker to the ball and get that ball onto the stage. And this morning, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at this idea that we have a God who has shown through creation his attributes, his abilities to arrange things as he sees fit, to be aware of the creation that he's created, and also to be active in the midst of it. And I'll tell you, as we look at this idea, it's laid out in Isaiah chapter 40, um, you know, I I think what we're going to realize is that, man, yeah, even though this is who our God is, this is what he tells us about himself, man, it should be incredibly comforting. These attributes, right, the, the fact that he is the guide who has arranged our room, right, is aware of our surroundings, is active in our journey, man, that should bring us incredible comfort because when we walk through life, the reality is that we don't always feel like we check these boxes, right? The reality is that when we walk through life as we're pursuing success and satisfaction in this world, in our lives, what happens is we know we need help. We know we need help when we face kind of certain key hang-ups, when we hit certain key barriers. I would say a lot of times it shows up when we get frustrated by things that we simply cannot control. We get fearful of the things that we simply cannot know. And we get failed by the things that simply don't hold up. And when those issues arise, I mean, suddenly our need for help is so present in our minds. Some of us are walking in this morning, and we are very, very aware of the fact that we need help walking through this life. Because there was something outside of our control. There's something that we just don't know, or there's something that just failed us miserably over the past week. And the good news, the hope, is that we have a God who reveals himself in Isaiah 40 as the one who wants to help in every, in every circumstance. All right, so 
when we look at these attributes, when we look at the way that God has essentially uh, arranged our world, what, what we're going to do is we're opening up to Isaiah chapter 40, um, and, and we're looking at essentially the, the middle of a story. Because the book of Isaiah has a lot of prophecy, has a lot speaking to the nation of Israel about God and about their future and about their lives and all these kinds of things. And in Isaiah chapter 39, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah is writing to essentially, uh, specifically to the king Hezekiah. Because Israel had this king, this guy named Hezekiah, who made a huge, huge mistake. Uh, he had basically doomed all of Israel, uh, because when there were representatives from Babylon that were kind of trotting around, they were like walking through, Hezekiah was like, oh, hey, look at all this cool stuff we have. And Babylon was like, oh, yeah, I want that stuff. And Hezekiah was like, oh, wait, no, it's our stuff. And Babylon was like, no, it's our stuff. And so then Babylon comes and takes all of Israel, right? And so Isaiah is going to tell them, hey, because of Hezekiah's pride, because of his lack of trust in the Lord, because he was kind of inflating himself and bragging about his possessions and the things that he thought that he was responsible for, they say, hey, look, then Babylon's actually going to show up and they're going to come and they're going to take away your family and they're all going to be slaves in their palace. That's chapter 39. But then in chapter 40, what Isaiah does is he shifts, right? After he's warned of all this destruction, of all this displacement, he shifts and moves on into the hope that they have because their God ultimately is still in control. And so this is what he says in verse, four, verse 12, I'm sorry, of Isaiah chapter 40. He says, in describing God, he says, Who, Who's measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or carefully measured the sky, or carefully weighed the soil of the earth, or weighed the mountains in a balance, or the hills on scales? Who comprehends the mind of the Lord, or gives him instruction as his counselor? From whom does he receive directions? Isaiah is trying to communicate the scope and the scale of our God. He says, have any of you been able to measure all the water? When he says the waters, he means just like the, every body of water, all of kind of essentially the ground, the, the earth. And, and he's... he's Comparing it to, then he moves immediately into the sky, right? The heavens. And he's saying, look, this is what we see. The opposite of kind of the waters and the heavens, the opposite of the dust and the mountains. He's saying that the totality of our God's careful and intentional creation is just overwhelming. He says, our God has proven himself to be so incredibly powerful because he's arranged our world in such a specific way. That's why he says, I mean, no one, who, who could possibly comprehend the mind of the Lord? So who, who could possibly give him instruction? Who could possibly give him direction that he doesn't already know? Who teaches the Lord the correct way to do things? Who imparts knowledge to him? Who, who instructs him in skillful design? Isaiah is starting off in chapter 40 saying, look, we can trust in our God. We can know that our God is the one who wants to help, who is able to help. Why? Because of the way he has designed and arranged all of creation. He says he has proven his ability to help because of the way that he has particularly arranged all of our world. So how incredible is our God that he would be able to measure, to weigh the mountains on a scale, to, to measure out the, the stars, the heavens with his hand. They're like, oh yeah, that's okay, there's, there's the universe. Uh, there it is, right, got it. So that's what our God has done. And, and I'll tell you, this is unbelievable 
Uh, because the more we learn about our universe, the more we learn about our surroundings, I mean, the more we see this incredible level of fine-tuning that exists within creation. Uh, I, I, someone sent me an article recently from uh, Nova. I don't know if you remember re- watching Nova stuff on PBS. Apparently it still exists. Uh, and Nova, uh, in fact, was talking about, they were doing this whole series on astronomy. They were doing this whole series on, you know, looking at the grand scale and scope of our universe. And this is one of the things uh, that stood out to them. They were talking about this experience, uh, talking with an astronomer out in Hawaii. And I'm just going to read it for you. It says that at midnight, astronomer Sandra Faber wrapped up her observations and we stepped out for a few minutes under the night sky. She said, I take comfort in the fact that, this is, that it is a beautiful universe and that we belong here and that we fit. So this is our home. Faber, a professor at the University of California, Santa Cruz, was referring to the idea that there is something uncannily perfect about our universe. The laws of physics and the values of physical constants seems, as Goldilocks said, just right. If even one of a host of physical properties of the universe had been different, then stars, plants, and galaxies would never have been formed. Life would have been all but impossible. Take, for instance, the neutron. Ugh. I'd rather not, but I'm going to read it for all of you chemistry people. Uh, it is 1.001 and then a bunch of other numbers times heavier than the proton which is what allows it to decay into a proton, electron, and neutrino, a process that determined the relative abundances of hydrogen and helium after the Big Bang and gave us a universe dominated by hydrogen. Mm. (laughs) Now, if the neutron to proton mass ratio were even slightly different, we would be living in a very different universe, one perhaps in which protons decayed into neutrons? (laughs) Can you imagine? Leaving the universe without atoms. In fact, we wouldn't be living here at all. We wouldn't even exist. Examples of such fine-tuning abound. Tweak the charge of an electron, for instance, or change the strength of the gravitational force or the strong nuclear force just a smidgen, and the universe would look very different and likely be lifeless. The challenge for physicists is explaining why. Why such physical parameters are what they are. And that night in Hawaii, Faber declared that there were only two possible explanations for fine-tuning. She said, one is that there is a God and that God made it that way. But for Faber, an atheist, divine intervention is not the answer. So the only other approach that makes any sense is to argue that there really is an infinite or a very big ensemble of universes out there, and we are in one of them. She said, this is why we need the Avengers. No, I'm just kidding. I added that last part. Uh, <laughs> Her explanation, her decision is that, hey, you know, when I look at just this unbelievable thing, what what I'm going to land on is a multiverse. I'm going to land on a multiverse. Why? Because the odds of all the dials being perfectly set for life is so astronomically unlikely. And when I see that, when I see that evidence, right, she says, hey, there's one of these, one of these has to be the answer. I'm going to land on this side of the fence. When I see that, Convicted by the Spirit of God, I say, no, I, I think it's much more reasonable. I think it's much more likely. I think it's reasonable to believe that, in fact, there is a creator who's put these things together, who's shown his care and his attention and his love in these details. That's what Isaiah is getting at in Isaiah 40. He says, we have a God who has essentially proven his ability to help through his particular arrangement of creation. He's proven himself powerful enough to help us out. And this should be an incredible comfort. Why? Because we get frustrated by the uncontrollable. 
Because we feel like life is spinning out of our control and that leads to a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of frustration. I can't wait until my son is old enough to take out the trash. <laughs> because on some level, we have to learn. Some of us, we learn at an early age with the trash can out on the street. Other of us learn at the first week of college that, man, there are certain things in life that we simply cannot control, that we cannot prepare ourselves for every possibility. And so what's beautiful is that even though we get frustrated by the uncontrollable aspects of our world, then we should then even more so, lean into and trust in the arrangement that God has provided. Proverbs 16 tells us this, that a person plans his course, but the Lord directs his step. Right? It's this incredible tension. It's this bizarre both and that's so difficult to reconcile in that we have a God who has arranged all things, is overseeing all things, and yet we can make meaningful decisions. Is God in control? Is God sovereign? Absolutely. Do people make meaningful, life-changing decisions? Yes. How do those overlap? I don't know. But they do. And so we can trust as we make these decisions that matter. As we make these choices that are important. As we make these plans that that are responsible, that we, we should be planning. We have to recognize, you know what, ultimately though, this is the Lord's designed world. This is ultimately the Lord has a plan that's bigger and greater than anything that I can possibly perceive. And so for us, I mean, I think a lot of times what it comes down to is if we really want to trust in God's arrangement, then we need other people to do that. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks in a row, honestly, because I think right now you are at a crossroads at the beginning of a year, beginning of a semester. You have an opportunity to surround yourself with the right people. And I'll tell you, the, the people, the friends in your life are going to determine the trajectory and the, the, the satisfaction, the well-being of your life. They are. Your friends will always determine the trajectory and the quality of your life. And so what we need are people who share our same values, who see and worship our same God. We need people who are essentially going to bring us back to this truth that, hey, ultimately the Lord is arranging these things. Ultimately the Lord is in control. We need people to remind us of that truth. That's why we have events like After Dark. That's why tonight, if you missed it last week, we were up at Rudder. It was nuts. Uh, that's why tonight, though, to give the rest of us a chance, some of us, timing didn't work out. Some of us, we were like, I'm going to drive onto campus. No, thank you. Right, that's fine. But we have another one tonight. And the purpose of Grace After Dark is that we would essentially get to communicate a little bit more about where we're headed as a ministry. But then most importantly, give you opportunity to find that community that you desperately need. To find those people that you need to surround yourself with. To find those people who are going to determine the trajectory and the quality of your life. That's what we want to do at After Dark. I would encourage you to be here tonight, 745, right in this room. 
Because ultimately what we want to be is we want to be a people who are trusting that the Lord didn't just set things up and then move on, but that he in fact set things up and is maintaining a perfect awareness of all that's been happening. See, Isaiah says it like this in verse 25. He says, to whom can you compare me? Whom do I resemble, says the Holy One. So this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, look up at the sky. Look up. Who created all these heavenly lights? He is the one who leads out the ranks and he calls them all by name. Isaiah says, look, this God of ours, this this living God who we worship, who we praise, who who we follow. He says, man, he he has led the stars out. He's put them where they belong and he's named them. He's called them by name. And that's unbelievable, right? I don't know if you've tried to look up in the sky and like start naming stars. That's really, really hard. You lose track of them. You can't come up with really great names, right? We, we really, we can't name stars. I mean, unless you have like $50 and you like email that one person and then you name the star like, happy birthday, Carol. You know, like that's, that's one way to go about it. Uh, but you look at like the actual registry of stars, you look at, you know, science, astronomers, they look at, I mean, we're starting to name stars like UMV, Alpha, Alpha, BB, Purple, you know, and we're like, that's not a good name, right? But that's, there's just so many, there's so many that we just have to give them digits and numbers. And God, he's the one that let them out. He's the one that actually looks at me and says, oh, what's up, Steve? Like, what's up? You know, like that's how our God has actual names for these stars. And he knows exactly where they are, what they're doing. And that's why Isaiah is able to say with confidence, well, look, because of this power, right, because of this strength that he has, now one of them is missing. He says he's so in tune with his creation that it's ridiculous for you to then say, right, why do you say, Jacob, why do you say, Israel, the Lord is not aware of what is happening to me, that my God is not concerned with my vindication? He says, how could you possibly believe that your God does not see you where you are. This is a ridiculous statement to make. But I'll tell you, it's hard. It's hard because we hit situations where we just, we cannot, we cannot fathom why the Lord is allowing it to play out the way it's playing out. I get that. We hit situations where we just, we cannot possibly understand, I mean, what is going on? What's the end goal, right? What's the ultimate purpose? It's hard for us to see that. But Isaiah is saying, look, you should take comfort in the fact that our God has proven his ability to help. He's proven his ability to help you where you are because of his incredible, perfect awareness of all creation. He says you should take comfort in that. Even in the midst of the frustration, even in the midst of the fear that comes about, even in the midst of the uncertainty and the anxiety that occurs when we're facing the unknowable. And I'll tell you, man, that that can hit us hard. When we're looking ahead in our future, when we're looking at just trying to understand another person, trying to understand a relationship, trying to understand a trajectory, trying to understand a situation, man, it's it's hard. And what happens is we try to kind of understand why things are happening or where things are going. Man, a lot of times we're just just so, so very wrong. Well, in the year 2000, um, I think I'll probably be the spaceships and moon dictating robots to robots. Or else I may be... I don't know, having a, in charge of a robot court, judging some robots, or I may be at a funeral of a computer, or if something's gone wrong with their nuclear bombs, I may be sort of coming back from hunting in a cave. Those are the only two options. In the year 2000, you're either going to be in a robot court or in a cave. And we would all agree, like, yeah, 19 years ago, that's exactly how life was, right? That's how it laid out. 
we look ahead at our lives, we look ahead, and, and the reality is that, man, we just, we simply don't know what's going to happen. Some of us are really terrified about what tomorrow's going to bring. Some of us are terrified about what the spring's going to bring, or maybe next summer. I mean, some of us are just, we're looking at the rest of today, and we're like, man, this, this conversation's about to happen, or this drama's about to unfold, or man, these, these people are about to do these things, this decision's about to be made, and man, suddenly, when we look ahead at our lives, man, we, we, fear, we fear what's coming. Because we don't understand it. Or we can't know it. You know, this, this afternoon I'm going to go watch a friend, help a friend, one of my best friends, bury his stepdad because of suicide. And man, you get into the middle of those kinds of situations. And it's just, you don't understand it. And you ask hard questions. And there's pain. And there's hurt. And there's confusion. But what's incredible is that we have a God who tells us that ultimately we don't have to be anxious. Right? Who tells us that instead in every situation that we can pray, we can talk with our Heavenly Father. We can ask Him with, for what we need. We can give thanks for what's been given. We can tell our, our requests to God. And what happens is as we step into that mindset, as we step into that path, as we have those conversations, suddenly we have the opportunity to allow the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts, to guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Is there still going to be pain? Absolutely. Is there still time for mourning? 100%. Do we weep with those who weep? Absolutely. But do we trust that ultimately our God has promised a world beyond this one, a life beyond death, that ultimately our God has promised that he has power over these issues and these problems and the brokenness that destroys our lives? Absolutely. And that's a peace that's powerful. I mean, that's a peace that when people see it, in the midst of issues, when the people see that peace in your problems, they see that peace in your pain, they see that peace in whatever situation you find yourself, man, I'll tell you, that is one of the most powerful witnesses you could ever maintain as a walking follower of Christ. Is that mindset, is that perspective, is that peace that ultimately can guard your heart and can guard your mind. People see that, man, then they ask questions. Then they want to be a part of what you're, what you're a part of. Because, man, that is a peace that is attractive. It's compelling. And it's possible because we have a God who didn't just set things up and watch it from afar, but instead we have a God who in Isaiah 40 promises that he will continually choose to act in our lives. He says this in verse 28, wrapping up the chapter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. Right? He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. There's no limit to his wisdom. And instead, he gives strength to those who are tired. To the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even youths get tired and weary. Even the strong men, young men clumsily stumble. God's saying, Isaiah is saying, look, this is our God. It's, 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 he's our God who's everlasting, who doesn't grow weary, who doesn't grow tired. And in fact, not only is he amazing in this unlimited energy and unlimited strength and limited power, but he's going to give that strength. He's going to work out that power in the lives of people right here around us. 
Right? He says, because you know what? Even on our own, like, well, ultimately we're going to stumble. Even strong young men clumsily stumble. Man, how many times have you said that this week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even these strong young men clumsily stumble. Yeah. Bumper sticker right there. Because it's true. And so that's why Isaiah says, man, praise the Lord that those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. That they can rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They can run without growing weary. They can walk without getting tired. They can do that 5K or be on the cross-country team or whatever you, know, you quoted this for in high school. They said, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, a little out of context, but whatever. Those who wait on the Lord's help can trust. You know what? He's active. That's what he's communicating. That, that God has proven his, not only his ability to help, but his desire, his willingness to help. Because he's promised to be active in our lives and through our lives. When we had people up here with varieties of blindfoldedness and varieties of balls, beach ball finding opportunities, man, the best group, right, the best pair was the one who, who, who could see the entire situation, who could put the ball exactly where they wanted it, and they could walk alongside their partner every step of the journey. We have a God who says, I, I, I see the things, I've set it all up, and I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. And he says, because of that, so it's not just that I'm going to move in your life, but I can actually move through your life. I can't just, I, it's not that I'm just going to help you, but I can actually help others through you. Right? That's why we have Growth Track. That's why we talk about it every single week. Because we want you to see the value of not just having the Lord bring strength and, and, and power and guidance to your own personal life, but because, man, there is incredible life and joy to be found when we become his vessels, when we move forward in his mission. That's why we talk about it. It's not because we have a bunch of like, spots that need to get filled. It's not because we have a lot of boxes that need to get checked. We really don't, I promise. It's because we know that ultimately... In your spiritual walk, I mean, you're going to find greater life and greater joy and greater satisfaction if you are living in such a way that God is not just helping you individually, but he's helping others through you. That's where life and joy are found. For some of us, man, when I was in college, when I was, you know, Rob was like, oh, 2011. When I started college in 2006, <laughs> uh, I, I, as a freshman, was called into ministry. It's why I'm passionate about, man, if, if you're walking into college and this is freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior, super senior, super duper senior, whatever, man, I would love to talk with you about, man, if, if you're feeling called towards vocational ministry, man, that's something that I love to just process with people. That's a story I love to hear. It's, it's, it's a conversation I love to have. One of the things that we have is a, is a program even here at Grace that helps you kind of dip your toes into that water, get a feel for, man, what does vocational ministry really, really look like? How could that play out in my future? So our fellows program, we have a number of fellows that are here on college staff at Anderson that are just rocking my socks off, being incredible ministers of the gospel, shepherds to y'all. Maybe for some of us, man, that's, that's the way that God's going to help others through us. But, but for every single one of us, man, the reality is that we, we will fail. We, we sometimes falter and we don't trust in his activity. Sometimes we don't trust in the Lord's plans. And instead, we kind of turn back, we fall back on old ways, on old habits, and old kind of issues. And, and what happens is, man, we, we get failed. We're failed over and over and over again by the things that are simply unreliable. 
Right? That's why the, the tireless, eternal, all-powerful God should be an incredible comfort to us. Because we've been failed. We've seen failure, right? We've been failed by the things that have proven unreliable. It's a person. It's a, it's a situation. It's an organization. Sometimes it's even ourselves. Sometimes we realize, you know what? Even if I just trust in my own God, trust in my own heart, I'm still going to choose to walk the wrong path. I tell you, man, I'm watched, <laughs> I watched this like 20 times. It never gets old. It never does. Because uh, it's so relatable, right? You know that classic story <laughs> where you're a baby, uh, and then you get angsty, and then you go to Subway, right? Like that's, that's what it's all about. The reality is that we can't always put hope in ourselves, right? Even our people who, the, the people who we think would be the most relevant, the people we think would make the best decision, man, we're always going to, we talked about this last week, we're always going to fail to avoid failure. That, that's just who we are. We're still going to choose Subway. Someone's still going to make this commercial. They're going to make that choice. And man, it's just, it, it's tragic that we can't even trust ourselves. And that's why it's such a comfort. It's why it's so amazing that we have a God who says, you know what? It's not about what you can do. It's about what I've already done. It's why we have a God who began creation with this perfect little garden that we call Eden. And he set up the first man, the first woman. He set it all up. He arranged it all. He says, here's the you know, rivers and here's the trees and here's the animals and here's all the stuff. And he had this perfectly arranged creation. And then he was so aware, he would walk with them in the cool of the day. He, would, he was super aware of the activities, of the, the thoughts and the desires of his people. And yet, in the midst of that perfection, Adam and Eve, what they did is they chose to, a different path. They chose to, to make themselves, to trust themselves over their God. And so what happened was that that's what you know, the first sin was, right? That was the first action outside of the will of God. They disobeyed. And so then incredibly what God does, he says, you know what? I'm not just going to let you face the consequences of your actions. In fact, I'm going to walk with you 
I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to create. I'm going to create a path right back to perfection. That's what Paul gets at in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. He says, just as through Adam, death was brought into this world, sin and brokenness was brought into this world. He says, just in the same way through one man, through Jesus Christ, resurrection, salvation from that death has been brought into this world. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Man, this is the hope that we have. In every situation, in every issue, in every problem, in every fear, and in every anxiety, this is the hope that we have. That we have a God who loved us too much to leave us alone. That we have a God who saw that we needed a way back to perfect relationship with himself. And so what he did, in order to get us back to that perfection, he didn't just create more rules that we would always fail to follow, but instead he created opportunity for a relationship that's secure for all of eternity. That's what he did. He sent Jesus Christ out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserved. And then when he rose again three days later, he says, I've got power over sin. I've got power over death. I have power over the fears and the failures and the mistakes and the hangups and the anxieties. And he says, all those issues, man, they don't hold power over you. He says, they can't defeat you because I've already defeated them. He says, I've gone through the grave and I've come out the other side and I want you to come with me. That's the God that we worship. We worship a God who was able to defeat sin, was able to defeat death, who saw us in our failure and still loved us. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we see revealed in Isaiah 40, that we see revealed in all of creation. The God, the the, the creator who has arranged all things, is aware of every day and is active in every life. And this is the hope of our gospel. This is the beauty of a God who is perfectly intelligent. He's put all things just the way they belong. Who's aware of every certain situation. And who's walking with us every step of the way. So I mean, can we go before him and ask him for help? Trusting that he's faithful to provide. God, we thank you that you've given us with this promise that you're not just watching us from afar, but God, you are in fact actively involved in our lives. The God that you've proven yourself to be a God who, who cares deeply. God, this is a love that was proven by the, the actions of Jesus Christ. God, that he would step out of heaven and onto earth. That he would step out of the glorious perfection and into this, the, the muck and the mire and the brokenness of our world. All so that he could save us, so that he could bring us back in a relationship with yourself for all of eternity. I mean, there's some of us that are here today that that, that is a realization that's just now kind of starting to hit. And the Spirit of God is, is, is really impressing that upon our hearts and our minds. Now, I would encourage you, man, this is the time. Man, this is your time. To, to, to make the decision to follow Christ. There's no better time than the beginning of a new year, beginning of a new semester, say, you know what, God, I, I, I want my life to be about you. God, I want to trust you in the day-to-day. Some of us, maybe that's a, a trust that we need to just renew. 
that, that we've made at one point and, and we just kind of need to come back around to it. Others of us, man, we, we've never really believed it. We've never trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. We've never trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, as our ultimate leader who we follow. I mean, if that's you, if, you, if you're feeling led by the Spirit of God to, to, to believe, to trust, to make this decision that you've, you've just not made, because of a lack of awareness, because of a lack of motivation. I mean, some of us, we know God is it's leading me to really to trust in this, to believe in this, to own this. If that's you, I would love to pray with you. And, and if, if that's you, I, I would encourage you, as our heads are still down, our eyes are still closed, if you would just be bold and you would raise your hand, don't have to be super high, just enough that I can see where you are, that those of us on staff can be praying for you. down and you can pray with me. Confessing, God, we, we've made mistakes. God, we've, we've continued to fail. But we continue to trust in the wrong things, to move in the wrong directions. But God, we see now that, that ultimately you're not fixated on that. You're not focused on our mistakes and our failures, but God, instead you're focused on the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sake. God, we, we want to walk in that freedom. God, we want to accept that forgiveness. And I would encourage you, if you just prayed that with me, man, you, you've entered into life. You've stepped out of death and into life, as Jesus would say in John 5. You've been adopted into the family of God, his son or his daughter, for all of time. For the rest of us, man, we... We're secure in that relationship. We're secure in the knowledge that, that we belong to the Lord, but, but man, we still lose sight of, of his power, of his might, of his plans. We lose sight of the fact that he wants to help. And we get caught up in our own fears. We get caught up in our own frustrations. So man, if that's you, I, I would encourage you right now in this moment to just take take a, a minute to pray to God and confess to him. Say, God, this is where man, I'm just not... I'm not relying on you. God, I'm not, I'm not asking you for help in this relationship, in this class, in this issue, or whatever it might be. Take a moment and just confess, Lord, God, this is where I'm leaning on my own strength. God, this is where I'm, I'm kind of running my own direction. And then ask him, say, God, but I, I, I want you to help. Maybe that's through a help that you provide through wise counsel, through another person. Maybe it's help you provide through a conversation or, or something I need to pick up and read. But take this moment right now, confess, God, this is where I'm not trusting in you, and then ask him to help to be faithful despite your failure. Ask him for that right now.